Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining the Live Lounge today, and here is your family news. Big changes are coming to church online this weekend. Starting July 5th, we will be having two Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., streaming live from two locations, Church at 33 and South. We will no longer be having an online service on Saturday night. You will have the option of logging on to Church Online and hear Pastor Phil speak at Church at 33, or you can log into Church Online at the South, where you can hear from Pastor Glenn. We'll make it easy for you to connect when you visit our website next Sunday. We've been having so much fun with you at Kids Church Online for the past two weeks, and starting next week, there will be more opportunities to join in. We will be having Kids Church at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. next Sunday, July 5th, at both Church Online and Church Online South. You'll find all the details on our website and at our Willow Park Church Families Facebook page this week. We are having two awesome kids camps online this summer, July 20th to 24th and August 17th to 21st. You can choose to do Kids Camp as a family, or you can register as a camp host and invite some friends to do camp with you. Registration is now open at willowparkchurch.com slash kidscamp. Join us this Monday, June 29th at 7 p.m. as we gather online for Willow One Prayer. We are so excited about what God is doing in our church, and we will be praying specifically for how we do church moving forward in this new normal we find ourselves in. Don't miss it. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Hello, Willow Park Church family. Again, Courtney, thank you for the family news. We're just going to take a moment and, uh, you know, it's time to give. And so there's many ways that we can give. Um, Again, thank you for your generosity. Um, We thank you for your willingness to give. Uh, and it's keeping everything going and moving, and we're excited for the next stages of church and what that looks like, but there's many ways we can give. We can give online at the Church Center app or at wpcgiving.com. In person, you can still drop that off here at the Church at 33. There's the mail slots that you can hit up, uh, and there's also automated, and so this is the best and the easiest way to give. Uh, you go on to wpcgiving.com, and you can set it up to come up monthly off your credit card, or your bank account. And so again, thank you so much uh, for doing that. Um, you might be w- wondering what's going on. The communion guy, he's doing the offering. Should I be grabbing my communion right now? Should I be chasing off to hurry up and grab my juice and my crackers? Don't worry, you can slow down, you can sit. I'm not going to be doing communion. I've graciously passed that off to Jordan, and I'm sure he's going to do a spectacular job. Uh, but what I'm doing is I'm setting the stage for the last Beatitude. We've been going through the Beatitudes, and it's been a great journey. I hope you've been enjoying it as much as myself and my family as we've listened to it. Uh, and today, we're going to take a deeper look into Blessed are the Persecuted. And Pastor Jordan, he's going to lead us through that scripture. But before we enter back into worship, before then it goes to Pastor Jordan, I'm going to just highlight some of the Beatitudes as we've journeyed through them. If you have your Bibles, let's open and read it. Um, if you have the Bible app on your phone, you know, please you know, close off Facebook or Instagram and click on the Bible app. You're probably wondering, how did he know I was on Facebook or Instagram? I just know. But we're going to read the Beatitude uh, from Matthew 5 here. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. 
His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. For those who are on social media, if you have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, there is this hashtag that people put on the end of the statements, uh, and it's hashtag blessed. And usually they say something uh, you know, that's happened to them, and they throw hashtag blessed on the end of that. Some of them are a bit silly, and it's like, really blessed because of this? And let me read some of those. Someone put, eating and listening to a YouTube channel that is playing only 90s music, hashtag blessed. Today was the, like the first day in like three months that I like really had nothing to do, so I slept until 7 p.m. Hashtag blessed. I didn't add those likes. Those were likes that were typed in probably for somebody, some teenager. And then another statement, four green lights in a row. Hashtag blessed. Today we wouldn't find someone putting maybe hashtag blessed on these beatitudes, right? Uh, can you imagine somebody writing this? I was mourning today. Hashtag blessed. Or, I was loving, holy, truthful, good, humble, and righteous, and was persecuted all day because of it. Hashtag blessed. No. You see, these Beatitudes, they were an announcement. They were an announcement of the wonderful news that Jesus, he was going to bring. It was the wonderful news that Jesus, he was going to be doing a new thing. A new thing was coming. The the word for wonderful news is often translated this, blessed. Meekness, poor in spirit, merciful, mourning, peacemaking. This is wonderful news. Because at that time, in a world, and even in our time, and it resonates with us, people think wonderful news consists of wealth, long life, power. But Jesus was coming to present a new kingdom mentality, a new way to live. So two general thoughts that I want to give you before we head back into worship. First one, according to Jesus, happiness is not a set of circumstances, but the fruit of a right relationship with God. Most of us, we think that happiness is found in a set of circumstances. If this and this happen, you know, I'll be happy, and life will be good. Our English word happiness, and Glenn, he mentioned about this and talked about this when we first entered into the series, comes from the word happening. You are happy when what you want to happen happens, and when you want to happen doesn't happen, you are not happy. And we all probably, when we heard that, were like, what's Glenn saying? Let's say it again. You are happy when what you want to happen happens, and when you want to happen doesn't happen, you are not happy. According to Jesus, happiness is rooted, not rooted in a set of circumstances, but the result of being rightly related to God. So here's the question for you, and the question that Glenn presented to you, and that we want to remember as we enter into this last beatitude. 
If life didn't change at all from this moment on, your situation didn't improve, your marital status didn't change, your career didn't progress, your body didn't feel any better, can you be happy with life? Because none of these things that we think that we need to be happy in life happened to Jesus. In many ways, what happened to Jesus was like our worst fears, like the worst, our worst nightmare ever. He was single his whole life. Oh, he owned no home. Abandoned by friends, misunderstood in Milan. He was run out of town, and worse, he couldn't even shower every day. But yet, he had joy. See, the happiness you are looking for is found in being rightly related, closely knit to Jesus. Securing him, living like Jesus. And the teaching he gave was the law. So throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he kept referring back to the Moses law. Jesus would say, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. Jesus is given a new version of the law, a new way. It's supposed to remind us of that other great teacher in the Old Testament, Moses. Which leads to the most common way these Beatitudes are misconstrued. People look at these things as a list of things they have to do, that they have to work through to get God's favor, to earn salvation, a set of things in order to do to be blessed by God. But in Exodus, Moses gave the law after salvation. God had already delivered the Israelites out of slavery from the Egyptians through the Red Sea. Those Ten Commandments were not ways they should live in order to be saved, but because they had been saved. Throughout the commandments, God kept saying, I am the God who delivered you from Egypt. I'm the one who delivered you. Therefore, you shall not have any other gods. You shall not kill, steal, lie, and etc. Now here we have Jesus, who is the son who will come out of Egypt. And in chapter 3, he comes out of the water through baptism and comes out of the wilderness in chapter 4 and into the land of promise. The one everyone has been waiting for, the Savior of the world. And he enters alongside this mountain and begins to preach. And what he's presenting is a new covenant, a new way. And these preachings, these teachings, they were so counterintuitive. They were so upside down to everything they would have heard. What Jesus will show to those who hear this message is that he's going to actually live out what he's just describing in chapter 5 here. And it shows us that this is now the model of Christian life. This is the foundation to discipleship with Jesus. The blessing comes that we get to share in the life of Jesus. Actually, we draw closer to him. And these attributes, they become more prevalent in our lives because of our devotion to him. We begin to do kingdom life and be mission-driven disciples as we draw close to him and partner with Jesus. See, these eight things are things that we do because we've been saved. And so my second point, according to Jesus, happiness is not a set of circumstances, but the fruits of a right relationship to God. So we can read the Beatitudes like this. Because Jesus has saved us, We can be poor in spirit because we know he promises to be our sufficiency in all things. Because Jesus saved us, 
We can enter into others' pain and more because that's what he did for us. Because Jesus saved us, we can be meek and take the second place because that's what Jesus did for us. Because Jesus saved us, we can hunger and thirst for righteousness because the God of righteousness has become our Savior. Because Jesus saved us, we can't help but be merciful to others because that's how he was to us. Because Jesus saved us, we want to be pure in heart so we can know him, him more. Because Jesus saved us, we can prioritize peace instead of vindication because that's what Jesus did with us. Because Jesus saved us, we can endure persecution because Jesus' resurrection shows us it is worth it. Jesus, when he presented these new ways, he was not some taskmaster who simply gave the law and threatened punishments if we disobeyed. That's not what he did. He's our Savior who not only issued these laws, but offered himself actually as a substitute sacrifice for those ways in which we had broken it. He didn't just ascend the mountain to give the law. We know that the cross was on the mountain, and he ascended to the cross. If you look at these eight things in Matthew 5, or the rest of the Sermon on the Mount as a checklist of things that you have to try to accomplish to get to heaven— it will lead you in despair. You will never do them good enough to earn favor because that's not what they're there for. These eight things, they're not rungs in a ladder for you to climb so you can get to God. They're actually a grateful response to Jesus coming down that ladder to save you, taking your place on the cross. Someone told C.S. Lewis, I don't like the Sermon on the Mount. Of course we don't. No one likes a sledgehammer that destroys their house, but they help you see the need for grace. And then in response to this gracious act of saving me, these things they just come out naturally because we team up with Christ. Let's take a moment and pray before we enter back into worship. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the Beatitudes. Lord, we thank you that as we team up with you, Lord, these are just natural things that flow out of us. Thank you that you presented the way, a new way. And Lord, we want to live like you, Father. We want to be disciples of Jesus, being your hands and feet. So, Father, let us draw close to you in this time, thanking you for what you've done and what you do through us. Amen. Yeah. 
Let's just take a moment and think of those times that we have faced that have required us to find steadfastness in God. That when we are surrounded by waves and they're so high and we look at Jesus and, and he's in the boat sleeping and you think, do you not care? Do you not care that this is really hard? And Jesus just says, I'm here. 
That's all you need. I'm in the boat. Lord, we just want to declare our trust. We want to put our trust in you so that when those storms rise, we put our focus on you. We put our attention on you. And then it doesn't matter if there's storms. It doesn't matter if there's waves because we have the God who can rescue us sitting in our boat. take a moment to think about the fact that Jesus is with us when we're on mountains and when we're in the valley. In every season, in every moment, he never changes. 
He is our victory. Let's sing this, we won't be silent. Sing your praise, O oh Lord, 
Thank you all so much for being here today, and I just want to thank you for worshiping with us. And as we've gone through Live Lounge, it's been such a fantastic experience over this last three months, four months, how um, Chris and his team has, has shifted things for us and to be able to experience, experience church online like this. So thank you so much for being with us, and thank you for being patient with us as we, as we work all this stuff out. But next week, we are moving to another, let's call it phase two, phase two of our online church. We're going to be 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., working together, worshiping together um, online still, um, but choosing a different time if you want to go to a different time, just to kind of set up what we're going to be doing in August, meeting together. Um, so we're excited about that. If you've been meeting together in, in, uh, 
in groups, in watch parties. I want to encourage that. I want to thank you for doing that. This is kind of how church is kind of moving towards is watch parties and watching together and, and keeping each other accountable and discussing church and what's happening. So anyways, thank you for doing that. This week, blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the persecuted. Today we want to talk about red letter living, sharing in the divine life of God. You know the word blessed we talked about it means happy, but we, the reason why it means happy is because the way that the people would have interpreted it is, is you're sharing in a divine life of the gods, like Hercules or Zeus or, or all these Greek gods. You're sharing in the benefits of what that is. So Jesus is saying, if you follow me, you will share in these divine, beautiful moments. You will share in these divine divine life that I live, but be prepared because my divine life right now might be difficult. Right now might be hard. Right now might be a difficult way to go, but it's an adventure that you won't regret because there are rewards in heaven. There's rewards on earth. So that's what we're happening. So let's talk about this word blessed. And we've talked about this through throughout this time, so it won't be too quick, won't be too long. Makaros, the divine, sharing in the divine life of the gods. I want to go to Second Peter 1, verse 4. And this is kind of becoming a verse that I, could, I kind of go to and I kind of think about. And when you're thinking about sharing the divine life of the gods and, and how our world is shaped right now. Thus, he has given us, through these things, his precious and very great promises, so that through them, you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust and may become participants in the divine nature. Our world and the way that we do things is, is very much geared towards the lusts of this world. Money, sex, and power. That is what these kingdoms are set up for. Our own individual kingdoms are set up for. But God's saying, look, I have a divine nature and you can become participants of this divine nature. That is what blessed is talking about. So we're going to move from kingdoms, individual kingdoms throughout this place. And now when we join the life of Jesus, you're starting to look and move into this new kingdom, this new way of doing things. And God's new way of doing things is loving God and loving your neighbor. The value-based system has been flipped on its head. The value-based system from what was before in, in the world is different now to what it is now. We are loving God and loving our neighbor. Our value is based on how Jesus shows us how to live, not how the world shows us how to live. So let's get into our verse. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We need to pause, we need to back up a little bit. Righteousness is this world, is this word, sorry, that means justice. So those who fight for justice are the ones that are going to be persecuted. And so the people that fight for justice, we go back to a verse that we were at last week, and that is the peacemakers. Peacemakers are people that are fighting for justice, and peacemakers are the people that are fighting for equality. And so as we fight for equality, there's going to be pushback against that. See, you know, you can set up peace pretty easily in your life. You can set up a world of peace very easily, you, you know, by doing this. So let's say husband and wife have a fight. I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to go over to my bedroom. And then you are off on your own in your own two worlds, very peaceful because you're not facing the reality that is the conflict. You're off on this side. You're off on this side. We are very good at making peace by, through making division. 
Or you play a game as a kid at youth group and you play capture the flag. One team over here, very peaceful, very excited about the game. The other team over here, very peaceful, very excited about the game. When those two worlds collide, there is no peace. The left and the right, the east and the west, there's, it's very easy for us to make a peaceful kingdom when we surround ourselves with like-minded people, ignoring the people that we don't agree with. Jesus says, I am not going to do this. And so as he makes peace, as he comes into this world to bring peace, that is when the difficulty comes. That is when the persecution comes. Jesus' first sermon, Luke 4, verse 18 to 30. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to talk a little bit about that. Jesus' first sermon, he's in Nazareth. He's in his hometown. He's up north. And there's always been fighting up north. And there's Israel, and then there's the Syrians, and there's the the Jews and the Gentiles, and there's fighting, there's infighting. And so he starts by saying his first sermon. This is the first time he's really talking about these things. And it's a big, bold message. And he starts by saying, you know, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news, to proclaim news to the poor and bring freedom. And everyone's excited, and they're all, good job. Good job, Jesus. So he says that. But they're thinking he's bringing freedom to their poor. And then he goes on to say, Elijah and Elisha, they both had miracles happened after they had these major times of fast, of, of famine and leprosy. And it says in this, in verse 25, he says, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. When the sky was shut and three and a half years, there was severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow named Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Elijah was sent to a Gentile. Elijah was sent to a non-Jewish person to bring healing. And that starts the rumble. Like, okay, what's happening here? And then Elisha. There were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet none of them were cleansed, only Naaman of Syria. The Syrian, Naaman the Syrian. So Jesus was, said, Jesus was saying, Elijah and Elisha went outside of the Jewish people to bring peace. This, this message of peace has been for a long time. And now he's saying, look, this message of peace that I'm bringing, I'm bringing good news to the poor. It's not just for you, it's for everybody. And at that, they want to throw Jesus off the cliff because he was disrupting their peace. So persecution comes when we start to disrupt the peace that is already happening. When you start to disrupt the kingdoms that people have set up for themselves, that's when persecution starts to come. This is what this message is talking about. This is what persecution is, is this message of dividing the kingdoms and coming under one. Because Jesus doesn't play the game of division. Jesus plays the game of unity. Everybody made in God's image. So once we start to look at everybody being beautiful in the image of God, then people are upset. Persecution happens. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. So there's the kingdom. Go back to the word persecuted. Persecuted actually is from dioko. Dioko, as you see, dioko, um, is persecuted, is to pursue. And so pursuing is like when you have a wolf pack and there's a bunch of deer and they, they are pursuing hard after the one deer and then they finally find one and they clamp down on it and they separate it. This is what persecution is. It's taking someone that's in the peaceful world, and persecution comes in and separates out. They pursue. The, the enemy wants to pursue. The enemy wants to divide our kingdom of peace. 
So that's what persecution is. It's coming in. It's ruining what God is trying to set up. So persecution is also interesting because we're not talking always about physical harm, physical pain, physical... Persecution is that. You talk about Jesus. You talk about Paul. You talk about Peter. They faced very hard trouble. You talk about the early church. They faced the pain. They faced, faced, faced hanging on poles and being lit on fire. They faced persecution, physical. You know, you go to India, you go to Africa, and you say, hey, we're having a service. Have, let's pray for people that have been affected physically by persecution. About 10% of the people will put their hands up and come to the front. About a tithe of the people will come and say they've been hurt physically. It's a horrible, horrible world that we live in. But persecution doesn't stop there. Persecution comes against us verbally. Persecution comes against us when we are rejected for our beliefs. Persecution comes against us when we stand up for the things of Christ. We stand up for the peace that Jesus wants to bring. And we are maligned and we are excused and we are pushed to the side because we want that beautiful peace. That's what persecution is as well. The kingdom of heaven comes when there is persecution. So Persecution because righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Where have you heard theirs is the kingdom of heaven? I believe it's at the beginning of, of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Do you think Jesus didn't have another thing to say? He was thinking, he says, well, I got the kingdom of heaven at the beginning. I've given a whole bunch of other ones. I, you know, I've given, um, they'll be comforted, and, and hunger, thirst for righteousness, they'll be filled. I've given a bunch of other ones. Maybe they won't realize that I already said theirs is the kingdom. I don't think so. I think we all would agree that's not the case. What is happening here is the poor in spirit are people that are just coming into a relationship with God. The people that don't really know and understand what a relationship with God is, but they've accepted Jesus into their heart. The very first Christians, the very first time you accept Jesus, yours is now the kingdom of heaven. That beautiful relationship, that momentary moment of decision for Christ, if you're at home right now, sitting in your, at your computer thinking, I might want to do this, is the kingdom of heaven mine? If I say yes, if you say yes, Jesus, I want to be with you, Jesus, yours is now the kingdom. And then you go through the Beatitudes, and you grow, and you grow, and you grow, and you get to this place where this is what our faith is about, is about being persecuted. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. As you live this full life for Jesus, you understand at the beginning, I've accepted Jesus. That is my kingdom. But now, as that is a real relationship, as you build and build and build, you realize you're sharing in the divine inheritance of the king. And that divine inheritance is persecution. So, one of my favorite authors, Brian Zond, kind of sums it up like this. He says, Blessed are those who are rejected and ridiculed for all the right reasons. For the kingdom of heaven comes to earth through persecuted people. The kingdom of heaven is coming to earth through persecuted people. As we see injustices, as we fight for injustices, as we fight against these kingdoms that are set up in the world, persecution will come against us. But that is when kingdom work happens. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. This red-letter living is the beginning of Jesus working as partners with us. He's saying, as you walk in this world, as you walk in my footsteps, as you participate in the divine nature of who I am, as you participate in the divine rights of God, 
you're going to be persecuted. People will insult you, persecute, and falsely say all kinds of things. This is not false advertising. He's not I, kind of a, he's not saying, hey, you know, get into the door, and then I'm going to tell you what actually happens. He's saying what is actually going to happen. This is going to be tough. It's going to be a tough road ahead. But he's going to walk with us. He's partnering with us. And it says, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. This is our first command of the Beatitudes. Rejoice and be glad. Be glad when this happens to you. Oh, how can you be glad when this happens to you? This is something that is actually beautiful that's happening, but it's so difficult to walk it through. But rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven. Thank you, God, for your reward in heaven. I would not mind a reward now. Well, I'll tell you something. I was probably 1995, 96, 97, 96 probably. Crescent Heights High School, Calgary. I eventually became the president of that school, not for any reason of my own. It was me and one other person, and I got a few more votes. Good for me. But a few years before that, probably grade 10 or grade 11, and, um, and I had a friend named Danny Malin. And Danny Malin and I had this like on-again, off-again relationship. But I really did want to tell him about the peace of Christ, about the love of Jesus. So I would tell him about Jesus, probably to the point where it was probably a little bit annoying. And as I told him about Jesus more and more and more, he got a little bit annoyed. And one day we were in the gym, him, a bunch of other people, myself, and this guy, John Wilson. And Danny Malin said to me, Jordan, stop telling me about Jesus. I am sick of hearing about it. And he got so mad at me. He got so mad that he said, I'm going to fight you. And I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm not a fighter. He said, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to take you out, whatever he said. Either way, it felt very threatening to me. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. So I kind of like backed up a little bit. This is going to happen. And then my friend John Wilson, a Christian kid, he stepped in the way. He said, Jordan, Danny, just stop. And he kind of cooled the things down. And he said, to, he said to me, he said, Jordan, don't worry. God's going to take care of this. I'm like, how is that going to happen? And I was really quite discouraged. I'm like, this is frustrating. I'm trying to do my best, and I'm going to get beat up. And, and John said, don't worry. God's going to take care of it. So I kind of went home and didn't really forget about it. About a week later, a little less than a week later, I was upstairs in the, in the social studies halls, about 2,000 kids in our, in our school. But I was off on my lazy bathroom break, kind of slowly wandering the halls. And guess who comes around the corner is Danny Malin. And I'm like, oh, man. And Danny slowly walks up to me, and I'm like, man. And he said, look, Jordan, I want to apologize. I said, don't worry about it. Don't apologize to me. Don't worry about it. He says, no, look, I want to apologize. I'm like, oh, no problem. He says, no, God came to me in a dream last night and said, if you don't stop bugging Jordan, I'm going to, I don't know what he said after that, but he said, if you don't stop bugging Jordan about being a Christian, and you don't stop doing that, and you don't apologize to him, there's going to be a price to pay or something like that. And my jaw just dropped. And at that point, I stood up a little higher, my shoulders back a little further, because I knew that I was walking with God in these little persecutions. Your reward is not only in heaven, but it is now. And God is walking with you. I couldn't believe what happened. Actually, a few years later, I checked out on Facebook, and Danny Malin, he's actually going to church, and there's a faith in him, which is fantastic. I kind of, I, I asked him about that story, and he blocked me on Facebook. But whatever, we're not going to get into that. So anyways, there is this beautiful moment that God actually comes down and works with us, even though we don't always feel it. 
It says here in Mark 10, verse 29 to 30, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, not one who has left home or brother or sister or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive the hundred times as much in this present age. You will get homes. Homes are, are when you come into a family of God and people open up their homes to you. If you're at a home right now with somebody, you are celebrating in the family of God, in your homes with your brothers and sisters and mothers and children, a new family of God. All of this is our family of God. Everybody that calls themselves sons and daughters of Jesus, hopefully our families do as well, but we are in a family of God and fields Work will happen. You will get rewarded. But it also says you'll be rewarded of fields along with persecution. We will be rewarded with persecution. What is that all about? We will be rewarded with persecution. But it will happen in this life. That story with Daddy, it happened in this life. God walked with me in this life. In this age and the age to come, eternal life. You know, it says about rewards happening in heaven, but we know that where the Spirit of God is, where heaven touches earth, in the, in the Lord's Prayer it says, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So these rewards are going to be available to us now. Sometimes the rewards are persecution. Lastly, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. For in the same way, we're not alone. We're walking with other people who have been persecuted. And it says also we are walking with the, per- the prophets. And now a prophet, as, as some of us know, prophets are people that may predict an earthquake or predict a, a famine, all these kind of things. And also those are just naturally what happens in this world. But my understanding of a prophet may be that as well. But my understanding of what a prophet is is someone who speaks into this present age, speaks into the injustices that are happening right now. So as you speak into the injustices that are happening around us with whatever you see happening around us, if you speak the love of Christ, you are being prophetic into our world, prophetic into the the enemy's schemes, and you are splitting that apart, and you are bringing peace, and you are bringing love. And when you bring peace and love into these injustices, that is when persecution will happen. That is when rejection will happen. That's that. We're going to take communion now. But this is kind of a different part of the same thing. I want to wrap up all the Beatitudes. And as you, if you want to get your communion glass out, you can. If you want to get a cracker out, you can. And I understand also sometimes it's just a bit different and you're at home and it's, it's separate. But I'm going to take communion. I just want to take this moment. And we're going to look at how the Beatitudes show up at the cross. There's this painting by Andrea Mantenga, an Italian Renaissance artist of the 14th century. Isola de Cartuo. I messed that up royally. I apologize. But it is the crucifixion known as Calvary. And this painting shows us much of what happens. We can find all eight Beatitudes in the cross, and we can find all eight Beatitudes in the walking up and to that day. You can look at Mark 27, you can look at Mark 15, you can look at Luke 23, you can look at John 19, and you will see all of the Beatitudes represented. So what kind of take us on there as we, as we stop and we think about what's going on with our communion? We think about what happened at the cross. We think about what we've learned over the last few weeks of the Beatitudes, and we see them in the cross. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. As we look here, we see on the right of Jesus, and I assume it's the right because this one's a bit more shadowed, and this is, this is the thief on the right. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will see the kingdom of God. He says to Jesus, he says, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus says, he doesn't say anything about has he prayed enough? Has he, has he done enough? Has he been there enough? Has he done enough things? No, he says, yours will be the kingdom. Today you will be with me in paradise. He is poor in spirit. He is just learning how to have faith and he is accepted into the kingdom right then and there. God's grace works marvels. Blessed are those who mourn, the women at the cross down here. Blessed are those who mourn. They are there at the cross and they are with him. Blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Who is the very first person to be comforted? Mary. Mary is at the cross mourning and the very first person that is comforted is Mary. Those who mourn will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Jesus himself. Zechariah, Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your kingdom comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. Meek and riding on a donkey. He is meek. He is walking into this moment at a place of meekness. He rides in on a donkey. He could ride in on a war horse. Every political figure, every war hero rides in on a war horse. Jesus rides in on a donkey. Blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. He's inheriting the earth. The meek will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for righteousness. What did Jesus say on the cross? I thirst. I thirst. And what is he doing on the cross? He's bringing justice. He's bringing peace. He's bringing reconciliation. He's bringing us into a relationship with him. He's bringing us into a right relationship with him. He's thirsting for justice. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy on the right again. His friend, he says to him, hey, Jesus, he starts mocking him. He says, look, we're the ones that are supposed to be here, not him. We're the ones who, he shows mercy to Jesus. And of course, the one in the middle shows the greatest mercy. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. A merciful plea for forgiveness. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Over here, the Roman centurion who presided over the execution, he stands and says, truly, this is the Son of God. He had a moment, he had an understanding. Everything that he had thought at one point, he changed his mind. He had a purity of heart. With the Pharisees, all their knowledge and their understanding and how they have decided that Jesus was indeed someone that they needed to kill, he, with all that knowledge of what the Pharisees had put into him, he, with all that knowledge, put his pride aside. And even with the life filled with sin, said, no, no, this was wrong. We have made a mistake. His pride shifted and he made room and made room for a pure heart to see God. Blessed are those with a pure heart. In a pure heart, he saw that it was God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus is making peace. It's called over and over and over again, the Son of God. He's a peacemaker and he is the Son of God. And blessed are the persecuted. 
That is where the kingdom of heaven breaks in, in persecution. That is where the kingdom of heaven walks in. It, it, it breaks into this world where we are persecuted. Our life doesn't happen without this moment. And that is a blessed moment, he says. He is setting us up for a journey with him, with a divine appointment with him, with a divine placement. And the reward is great. It might be hard along the way, but like my friend said, don't worry, God's going to take care of it. God walks with you. Let's get ready to take communion now. I just want to think on this and pray on this and understand and hopefully in my heart realize what God has done. I'm just going to read from 1 Corinthians 11. Let's pray. Father, thank you for inviting us into the divine world of you. I pray as we walk with you that we would see how great you are. As we participate in communion, we would, we would realize we are participating in the divine blessings of God. And that divine blessings is persecution and pain, but also love and reward from you, Jesus. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on that night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's it. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As we eat and we drink, we are red-letter living, sharing in the divine life of God, sharing in what He has done, what He has given. But we're walking alongside Him. The greatest adventure, the most difficult adventure, but the rewards are so, so great. So I want to encourage you, if you're just new to the faith, if you just accepted Jesus today, I just want you to understand that the rewards are yours now. And as you understand who Jesus is, as you walk through the Beatitudes, as you walk through the Sermon on the Mount, you will understand more and more who he is. Thank you. It was so wonderful to be with you. We would love to continue to have relationship with you. If you have any prayer requests, just click on the prayer button and somebody would love to pray for you. We also have Zoom chats that are happening right now. So go to willowparkchurch.com and click on the chat that interests you the most. And a very important program note, starting next weekend, we no longer are doing live lounge on Saturday night. We're doing two on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. 
So join us for that. Tell all your friends, 9 and 11, starting next weekend. Have a wonderful week.